Welcome to week six out of 10 in our study of the book of James. My wife and I took last Sunday off. I had an opportunity to be away, but I'm glad to be back with you. And I'm always amazed that I have the opportunity to do this each week, to stand before you, whether in person or online, and unpack scripture with you, walk with you, and allow God's word to infiltrate my heart, my soul, my mind, and then pray that God does the same with his word for each of you. It really is a humbling opportunity. Let me pray for us before we continue. God, I pray that your word today does exactly that, that it infiltrates our heart, our mind, our soul, that it examines us, uh, God, as we examine it. God, that you would lead us to be people who pursue life and decisions and actions that bring life rather than death, spiritual, physical, emotional, immaturity. May we see those patterns and those paths very clearly today in the book of James, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our study of James is causing us to examine two very distinct paths in Scripture. Path one is a path that leads to life and maturity. The second path, a path that leads to death or immaturity. And so far along this journey, toward one path or the other, we are called to examine quite a few things. How we handle temptation. Do we face trials with joy? Are we servants to others? How do we listen? Are we quick to listen? How do we speak? Are we slow to speak? How do we react? Are we slow to anger? And last week, I tossed a loaded passage to our executive pastor, Matt Bryant, I loved his focus on the final words of James chapter 2, verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He defined mercy as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. But mercy is shown when you choose not to punish them. And the giant reminder for us last Sunday that we cannot ever move away from, but we can add to it is this. We must realize the only difference between a believer and a non-believer is that we have been saved by Christ and they have not been saved yet. But we are both sinful, broken, and lost apart from Christ. So what do you choose? Do you choose to dispense mercy, which can lead others to life and healing and forgiveness? Or do we choose judgment, which leads to isolation and loneliness and spiritual death? Mercy triumphs over judgment. But that is not the end of the book of James. In fact, we're only in chapter 2. He is not finished building us up, growing us up. James chapter 2, 14 through 26 is going to be our text for today. And if I could, I want to get you to view this passage in a specific way. It, it might help you understand the rest of where we go in this study. We have already covered James 1, 1, 2 through 13. And if I could allow you to ask that you would take and allow those verses to act as an arrow pointing towards chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. But then as we move forward in future weeks, 
allow chapters three through five to rewind and shoot an arrow birthed out of chapter two, 14 through 26. The message of chapter two, 14 through 26, is so crucial to life and death, maturity versus immaturity, that the entire book is woven in and through these verses and the teaching it contains. So a simple summary of the verses that we're about to look at is this. A genuine faith, a genuine faith in Jesus Christ leads us to action. What we do reveals who we really are. It is faith with action, not faith or action, or action or faith. According to James, faith with action is a both and statement, not an either or. And the full counsel, the entirety of Scripture is clear to teach that our works, our actions, our good deeds cannot save us from our sins. I want to be very clear today from the onset that faith in Christ Jesus, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and claiming His forgiveness for our lives is the only thing that saves us. You cannot work enough. You cannot do enough good deeds. As some beliefs would teach you, to gain God's love, you must believe and have faith. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8-10, through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't want to sidetrack us, but I do want and I hope to provide clarity to protect the unity of Scripture. Paul says we are not saved by our works. Paul, inspired by God, the most prolific author of the New Testament, a scholar, theologian, he also makes several claims. Romans 3, verse 28, he says, For we hold that one is justified, one is made or declared right by faith apart from works of the law. But today in our passage, we're going to see in chapter 2, verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now stick with me. On the surface, these sound as if they're in conflict with each other. I'm not presenting this to confuse you, but to make sure to prepare you that when someone tries to present to you that you are saved by your good deeds and works alone, that you know that salvation is found in no one else, no other way, but through the sacrifice of Jesus and our surrender to Him. Paul and James would agree it is not either or, faith or work, but both and. Faith that leads to action. I love these comparisons that Chuck Swindoll made in unpacking this idea of faith with action. Paul and James are presenting two sides of the same coin. I'd like to review this with you quickly. Paul, James. Paul says, for we hold that 
One is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. And James says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Paul is using the word justified or declared. He's meaning it to pronounce righteous, to have a right standing with God in sight of God. James is using this word justified to mean evidence of being right with God in the sight of others. Paul shows how an unbeliever becomes a believer. James shows how a believer lives as a follower of Jesus. Paul emphasizes the root of our salvation. James examines and emphasizes the fruit of our salvation. Paul is addressing the inward disposition. James is stressing the outward actions. Paul is demonstrating God's part with human response. James is demonstrating our part with God's leading. Let me simplify it. Good works are not the requirement for true salvation, but they are certainly the result. So to bring clarity, I'd like to begin by walking through a simple task. Maybe it will help you understand this idea between Paul and James and faith with action. So today I'd like to start by making brownies. So I need the ingredients. Let me try it again. I need the ingredients. All right, so here's what I got. I have all the needed necessary ingredients. I have the brownie mix here. Got my pan. I've got my water. Quarter cup. Yeah, quarter cup. I've got half a cup of oil. I've got my two eggs. The picture on the box is easy. It shows that you put all of these into a pan. You mix them up. And then you put them in the oven. So I've got my mix, I've got my water, I've got my oil, I've got my eggs. I don't have brownies. Nope. Why is this not a pan of brownies? I haven't mixed it. I haven't cooked it. I haven't done what is necessary to transform these ingredients into brownies. I know it's a simple illustration. Right now... This is simply a list of ingredients. The ingredients alone do not make brownies. What is needed is there, but the brownies, they're not brownies. No one would walk up to this and reach in to grab a brownie. The same thing takes place a lot with people who attend church. We have the information, the ingredients facts. But this is not a new problem. It's really important that when we look at James chapter 2, verse 14 through 26, that we remind ourselves who James is writing this passage to. He's writing to a group of people who had come from a Jewish background into a belief in Jesus Christ. Let me translate that for you. 2,000 years ago, that meant that these people that are reading this and hearing this 
had come from a religious background that they were required to follow 600 plus laws in order to be considered holy and right. But now they live through the lens that they've trusted in Jesus. So many of them were trading the idea that we no longer have to do the 600 things so we don't have to do anything. I have trusted and I believe. The problem James was trying to address here was the same one we can address today. A pan full of ingredients does not make brownies. They're simply ingredients. Likewise, a churchgoer who claims to be a follower of Jesus comes to church. They, they even go one step further. They, they understand certain things. They know things. They claim to have faith, yet they're not active. James would say they don't have faith at all. According to James and Paul, the idea of a private faith or a non-active faith, they would say in verse 20 that we'll see in a moment is foolish. It's not faith. Again, James is taking aim at every one of us who claims to be followers of Jesus. Let's look at these words. Faith is more than a statement. Verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? I can claim a lot of things to you this during this filming. I can claim to you that I've won a gold medal in curling. How exciting. Or I can claim to you that I've won a part of one of the mega million lotteries. But here's what you would require of me. You would say, well, give me proof. Show me the medal. Better yet, show me the moves that won the medal. Show me the winning ticket. Better yet, show me the money. The word says in verse 14, it says, says, someone says or someone claims, someone calls themselves by name. To declare ourselves people of faith is simply a claim without a life of belief. Verse 21 of Matthew 7 from Jesus, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God does not desire a faith where we simply proclaim with our lips. Rather, He wants a faith proclaimed with our lives. James is saying to each of us who claim to have faith that faith is nothing more than a claim if there is no evidence of that claim. Now, he gives several illustrations, much better than a brownie illustration, to surround this idea. Verse 15 through 17, very practically he says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What we do reveals who we are. I learned a song about 40 to 45 years ago. Maybe some of you know it. 
I learned this in Bible school. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You can choose to participate or not at home. But in Bible school, they went on to teach me this verse. This line came a little bit later. If you're saved and you know it, then your faith will surely show it. Our faith should be such that when given the opportunity to meet, as James says, the most basic needs of others, we meet them. We act. Not because we have to or we're legally bound to, but because it is who we are. It's what faith does. Our faith in Jesus leads us to live like Jesus, meet needs, be there for others, volunteer with our gifts, our abilities, not simply within the parameters of our church or another ministry partner, but in everyday life, in our relationships. James says faith with action. Faith with action, people, they see a need, they meet it. Because just wishing someone well and sending them on their way is of no help. James, the Apostle Paul, Jesus himself did not leave room for what we like to call a private faith. Faith is outward. It leads to action. Faith is also more than a feeling or a belief. James goes on to say in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. James' wording in verse 19, as we said a couple of weeks ago, is a toe-stepping moment. You believe that God is one. You believe that God is good. But notice his responses to that idea. You believe? Even the demons believe and shudder. James tells us the demons believe in one God. They tremble. The forces of evil have a belief in God. Now I can almost read a little sarcasm coming through from James. Good. Even the demons believe what you believe. That's fantastic, but it's not enough. James is communicating to believers of that day and now to us. Having a great feeling, even making a claim to be a person of faith is not enough. You may claim to believe in God. You may know Scripture. You may have the newest, nicest Bible. Good. Even the demons are with you on that. But faith without works is dead. It's not valid. Because faith by nature produces good works. Now our beloved brother and friend James does not let off the gas in communication about faith with works. Instead, he becomes, if possible, even more direct. Verse 20. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? As we prepare to hear examples of faith with action, I want you to begin to examine your faith with action. 
Let me ask you a couple questions. We'll repeat these later, but has your faith that you proclaimed from childhood for many of you, has it produced action? I'm not simply speaking about church attendance. Has your faith led you, has my faith led me to step into uncomfortable settings to model Jesus? Has your faith with action led you to meet a need for someone when it was uncomfortable, when it was costly, out of obedience? Let me ask it this way. Do those who love, do those that you love the most know your faith? Let me ask it a different way. What would the people you love the most say you love the most based on your actions? Two examples from James. True faith results in obedience to God's plan and His direction. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Now again, if you're not familiar with this story in the Bible, let me give you a few details. Abraham has been promised by God in early parts of Scripture to be the father of the future of generations. He's tried various Old Testament traditions to bring about this promised son, to, to get this lineage started. At age 100, his son is born to him. After waiting years for his birth, then God gives a command to Abraham, take your son Isaac up to a mountain and sacrifice him. He binds his son to the altar. He reaches for his knife. And God says, stop. Don't sacrifice him. God provided another way of sacrifice and worship with Ram and Isaac left and worshiped with his father. Faith in Abraham's world may look very different to what God is calling you to do and what lengths He is calling you to take. But real faith, make no mistake, true faith, faith is accompanied by action. Faith results in obedience to God's plan and God's direction. Verse 22 tells us that Abraham's faith and action were working together to do what God was leading him to do. What about us today? What if God told you to bring something to the table, not literally, but figuratively, and said, out of obedience, offer that to me? What would you have to put on the table? What's a priority that we've placed in front of our action, our faith? What would you have to put on the table if asked to in obedience to take a step of faith. Your, your family, your career, your future plans. You may have it all mapped out. I'm sure Abraham had an idea of where he was going next. But I don't think it would have included a sacrifice of his promised son for whom he had spent years waiting. 
your plans to retire, your plans to relax, your plans to drive off into the sunset and settle into comfort. Maybe your collection, your stuff that you're pursuing. Could it be that God has already revealed something to you that you love, that you cherish, and you idolize more than you should, more than I should? And it's time for faith to lead to obedient action. True faith results in a changed life. Another story, another glimpse that James gives us that his readers especially would have known of. Scripture says, And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. The second story that James gives us, faith with action, is of Rahab the harlot, the prostitute who took in the spies from God's people who had come to spy out the land prior to God destroying the walls of Jericho. She believed in what God had said He was going to do, and He protected the spies. This is an amazing action for someone who lives such a lifestyle. According to Joshua 2, she had heard the stories of God and her heart melted. And she took this opportunity to mark a changed life. Rahab had heard the stories and when she had the chance to make decisions of a marked changed life, she took the chance. A chance that could have easily cost her her life. Yet she made a decision and it charted the course for her future. A life filled with faith that leads to action is a changed life with new priorities, new direction, new choices, new life. So today I want to ask you some tough questions to to help you examine your faith in the real world. Questions which will hopefully challenge you as they've already been working on me to carefully evaluate your faith with action. This first one is so important. Was there a time when you realized that you were a sinner and you admitted this to yourself and to God? And in that moment, have you humbly asked God to forgive you through the grace-filled actions of Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to Him? By faith, we are saved. Do you have faith with action? Is your faith more than a statement or belief? After reading James 2, 14-26, do you think there is such a thing as a private faith? Do the people you love the most know what you love the most based on your actions, not your statements? Because what we do reveals who we are. Let's pray together. God, there are so many things for me to examine. Do people that I love the most know that what I love the most is the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus by my actions? James does not hold anything back. The language is strong 
Would we consider faith without action? He says it's foolishness. It's dead. But may we never come to the point that we say, well, I'll just do more and earn more in my relationship with God. That will save me. Scripture says it is by faith you have been saved. But that faith produces action. It's evident. It's visual. It's not private. So God, I know that as I'm praying, I'm talking to people who are not in the room on a Sunday morning. They may be in their homes They may be in a different setting. They may still be bound by some fears and thoughts of and concerns of COVID and a pandemic in our world. But even in those places, do they consider their faith active? Reveal to them what's on the table. Reveal to them what steps of obedience they need to take to be people of action. People of faith, because... God, it's very clear from James that who we really are is displayed by what we do. I thank you for this message from me this week. May it impact my relationships with my family, my staff, our church members in a very real way to be a leader who leads with a faith with action. In Jesus' name, amen. Not only are we called to faith with action as individuals, which is what we've covered thus far, we're also called to be a church of action in our community. A church that believes in impact over existence. So I want to share with you a few ways that we have been people of action. Some of the things you may be aware of and many that you won't be. But also a plan for you to be a part of this active body of believers. Faith with action as a community. You've heard me reference before over the past 18 months of us being online together, our His Hands ministry. This crew builds ramps for people in our community and our community that they would otherwise simply be stuck at home. They keep building ramps, faith with action. Then recently we have been partnered with a a location and an opportunity for ministry called Emmanuel Home. This is a home being rebuilt on the edge of Baptist Children's Home in conjunction with Baptist Children's Home and Christian Adoption Services. This is specifically for women who have chosen to go through a pregnancy, place their child up for adoption. But then, where do they go to restart? Well, we hope they end up coming to Emmanuel Home, where they can be emotionally, spiritually, and physically retooled. This past weekend, we have had teams working alongside other churches to demo this home. We are even promising our church teams to help in rebuilding of certain parts of this home, faith with action. Another thing that you may not be aware of is that we have a mission house. We have a duplex that sits on the edge of our property. This week, a missionary couple has moved into half of that, that they are beginning to develop a ministry of Bhutanese Hindu immigrants. I know, say that five times in a row, right? These immigrants have moved into High Point in the Greensboro area and they need Jesus. This couple will be traveling back and forth from another area in South Carolina where they are doing the same work with a different group of people and they're gonna be spending time using our facility to have a temporary place to call home. 
You are providing a place for people to be people of faith with action. This coming Wednesday night, October 27th at 6.30 p.m., Fostering Hope is an informational meeting about fostering and adoption in conjunction again with Rich Fork Baptist Children's Home and Christian Adoption Services. This is a faith with action. You can find out more about that opportunity on our website under the events section. We would love to know that you're coming. As of the time of us recording this, there's six people that have signed up for that. It would be great to see 16 or 26. Faith with action. Attending doesn't sign you up for the program, simply giving you information. But if what we do reveals who we are, I want to share just a couple of things about one of our core beliefs as a church. Faith with action leads to obedient generosity. When we plan and we repetitively give generously, it makes us have the ability to do things spontaneously. Now, now let me explain that. You've been amazing over the past 18 months with your continued faithfulness in your tithes and your offerings. And your plan giving has allowed us to be spontaneous beyond what we planned for, to be generous in ways that we would have never imagined. Just in the last six weeks, several of our local schools, because all of our local schools walked through a difficult re-entry into this school year, but a couple of them had a more difficult than others beginning. So because you gave generously, we could give spontaneously to a couple of those schools. We were able to encourage and feed and encourage in some other ways three of our local schools with meals for every single one of their teachers, 200 plus meals. You already had supplied teacher supplies and student backpacks earlier, but another opportunity for us to be people of faith with action is to realize that you are a part of a bigger picture. As individuals, you work together to accomplish things. And one of those is our budget. Our 2022 proposed budget is going to be emailed. It's also placed in our lobby. But I share that with you today as an opportunity because our our stewardship has been outlining and putting this together for us to vote on in November. But here's what's amazing. If I can just share a few things. Our budget for 2022 is 4.7% increase over 2021. But stick with me on the numbers but the proposed increase of our budget is almost 10% under the giving for this year. You have been amazing. Thank you. That is faith with action. We were also able to do something amazing in 2021 that I feel it's important for you to know. In, In 2020, we, like so many other organizations, applied for a a PPP loan or a payroll expense impacted by COVID loan. We had no idea how our church was going to respond or would be able to respond financially in the middle of a pandemic. But you blew us away. You were faithful and then some. Our loan for that time period that we could apply for was around $138,000. Earlier this year, don't leave listening yet. Earlier this year, we wrote a check back to our bank to repay the loan in full. What does that mean? 
It means we didn't need any assistance. You provided faithfully as people of action for us to be able to say, we will stand on our own. Now, this is not about whether we should or should not have applied for the loan, but the reality is we did, we got it. We put it into savings and you were obedient, generous givers. And can I just say that the people that work at our local bank were blown away by your generosity. Praise God for His, for His provision for us. But planned giving, generosity, allows us to plan. It allows us to be spontaneous. So grab a copy of a budget. You'll receive one in an email over the next few weeks. But how do we continue to be a community of faith with action? Let me share a couple of those over the next few weeks. November 27th, we have been asked uh, to volunteer as a church to prepare our city for the parade. Now, that may not sound like something you would ordinarily hear a church offering their services to, and you would be exactly right. Essentially, we have been asked to provide 50 to 75 volunteers on the Saturday before the big event, the parade on that Sunday, to clean our streets. I sat with Mayor York a couple of weeks ago and asked, how can we help our city? And he shared this idea with me, and I immediately on your behalf said, yes, because we're people of action, faith with action. We'll give you more details and opportunities for that. But one final thing to share with you. On December 10th, we are going to turn our fields behind our property into a village. We're calling that night a community Christmas. Our God glorified and our community unified. This is going to be a massive opportunity to offer hope to our community. On this evening, December 10th, from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., we are going to turn our field into this location, into this village, complete with a massive tree lighting, food, a, a very live nativity with you taking part, games for all ages, an area for kids, and a way for you to be for others. This will be community-wide. And we will personally, door-to-door, invite our neighbors to invite, to come, to join us. We'll just call this our Faith with Action Christmas. We're going to be giving you more information soon about this incredible opportunity for our community about being people of action on December 10th. But we'll also share with you many opportunities beforehand, during, and after for this to take place. December 10th, make no mistake, is only possible for us to dream about as leaders because we know and believe that you as a church believe in faith with action. So thank you for what you have shown to us as a church who are people faith with action. But let's make sure that not only are we people who take faith with action as a church, but each of us individually. Because what we do, it really does reveal who we are. Let's be people of faith that leads to action.